Welcome to Protoss, a podcast series for those who are motivated to explore and understand more about the kingdom. Here are your hosts, Wayne and Steve. In our last podcast, we introduced four basic different leadership roles from the four types of people that you gleaned from 2 Timothy 2 to Wayne. And those roles were others or the doers, which is self-leadership, faithful men or the managers, which you referred to as operational leadership, Timothy, who Paul was talking to, who is the leader, and that's strategic leadership. And of course, Paul, who was the leader of leaders, and he provided that visionary leadership. Now, last time we covered off two of those leadership roles being the doer or self-leadership and the manager or operational leadership. And we spoke that by volume, most people seem to fit into these sort of roles. Today, we're going to review those remaining two roles. So what's the next leadership role, Wayne? We'll simply call this person a leader from 2 Timothy 2 verse 2. They listen as a part of many witnesses and that they translate what they hear into their own context. They look for faithful people to walk alongside, which we have called managers. They look for people who are able to teach others also, who are able to coach and to get teams to do work. In churches and other places, a lot of different people are called leaders. But in this podcast, we're going to look at this as a separate function to a lot of the management functions that we've already covered. Like in a church situation, we might call a person a leader who's actually fulfilling a management role, but you don't really want to call them managers because that kind of sounds corporate. (laughs) Yes. What sort of personal qualities are needed for this level of leadership? I think the first one to look at is they need to be self-starting. They don't need to have someone telling them every single thing to do. They've heard amongst many witnesses, whether that's someone in their organisation who's a visionary or whether it's they're gathering information online or from other places. They can hear stuff and they can put it into place. And so they're self-starting. They don't need to be micromanaged. They need to be empowered and have a certain authority delegated to them. That's an important part on the receiving, on the giving end. They need to be able to lead managers. They need to help managers to manage. They need to help others and train others to be able to plan and to organise and to do all those management functions. And they do that by translating the vision that they're getting from their leader. Yes. The strategy and helping those managers to manage in that environment. Yeah, that's right. They can decide for themselves how it needs to be implemented, what's important. Of all the vast amount of information we can access in our current age, what is actually important to them? They can filter, they can see those things. They can recognize what faithful people look like, what managers look like. Also, able to build productive working relationships with them. It's not just about being in a structure. It's about that relational side where managers actually want to be in your scope. They want your strategic mind. They want your ability to understand what needs to be done so that they can go away and plan and organize and so on. They need to be able to inspire, direct, and engage these people. And according to Second Timothy, which we're really basing these two podcasts on, they do this by committing to them. This word commit means to place alongside, to deposit, so that they walk closely with them and deposit that information, what they've heard from many witnesses, what they have decided is the strategic way to go and deposit in them. That's quite different from a leader using positional power in an organisation to force a manager to do their will, isn't it? That's right. It's not just a functional role where we write out a team scope and a manager's meant to go and do it. These are real people who want to be motivated, want to be inspired, want to be a part of something bigger, want to do something of importance. It's around a journeying as a leader with those managers as individuals and as people. 
And I take your point that they need to recognise what those faithful people or the right managers look like. So in an organisational context, they'd have a role in the recruitment and selection of those faithful people to ensure the managers have the right characteristics to achieve the results. Absolutely. And in the last podcast, we highlighted that the role of the manager was to help the doer and serve the doer to do what they do to the best of their ability. The main role of a leader is to help the managers to manage. Yeah. As a leader, in essence, turn vision into action, and that's that word strategy. Managers help the doers to do, but leaders help the doers to do the right things by translating what the vision is into workable, achievable strategies. And they do that by developing people, systems, and culture to facilitate that. They provide good working environments that engage people and motivate them. As we move into leadership role, we don't drop management functions. And sometimes when you hear this conversation, is it management, is it leadership? Well, I think it's always both and they need to work together and they complement one another rather than being enemies of one another. When you hear people speak, it feels like these two things are at odds, but they're both needed and often by the same person. Hmm. If they haven't already learned how to do this and not be at odds, a good leader can determine the appropriate leadership style to suit the situation. Both styles can include democratic, autocratic, pace setting as we discussed in the last podcast, sometimes transformational leadership whether you have to step into a coaching mode, affiliative, delegative, we all know that all of them have a role to play. However, democratic would be normally the propensity a good leader would portray. As we've been going through this, we've been referring to styles and we mentioned as a doer, we need to start learning the pace setting and relational style, which continues on. We never drop learning that. But then as a manager, we really do need to learn the coaching style. As a leader, having already learnt those things, we need to add the democratic style if we've not already become proficient in that. Because as a leader, we're dealing with managers and managers have on-the-ground information, they have experience, they're doers, they're organisers, they have a contribution to make, they're actually responsible to get the job done with their teams. If we haven't learned to be democratic, we need to add that style. One of the key positives of a democratic style is increasing ownership and buy-in of people. And one of the ways kingdom leaders can achieve that and serve the people that they're leading is by valuing those people's perspectives. Yeah, there's a great example of that in Acts 15.28, where the Council of Jerusalem was deciding on how to treat Gentiles because a lot of them were coming to faith. It's recorded as them saying it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. The key phrase I want to take out of that at this point is it seemed good to us. It was a group decision, a democratic decision by a bunch of people who were already doing the job. They were already proficient. They were already engaging and building churches and doing missions and all that kind of stuff. And so the decision was a collective decision, valuing the inputs of all the people who were doing the thing in the first place. As a leader, democracy becomes a really important thing to understand because democratic decisions increase buy-in. If you want people to rebel against decisions, just do the top-down decision-making, hand them down, tell people just cope with this. It's been decided at a higher level. The important thing to note here is we don't do democracy with unmotivated and incapable people. That's the time to be a pace setter, to be directive. But when we're dealing with people who are capable and motivated, democracy needs to start to figure on our leadership suite of skills. There's a bunch of skills associated with being democratic. Some people aren't naturally that way. They're very autocratic by nature. And so that then becomes a need to learn that skill. 
How can you increase your democratic style? If you don't like discussion, get used to it. If we're having meetings, we have discussions, not things about we've already decided and waiting for people's input and then to say, well, in fact, I've already decided and I'm going to make a captain's call. I recently discovered that term is purely Australian and not understood outside of our shores. It's generally associated with people who make poor decisions and their decisions are poor because they've only taken their own viewpoint. We also share information. People need information to make decisions and have informed perspectives. And so we orient ourselves to sharing more about what we know, inclusion of others, listening, just having open-ended questions and we listen for answers before we have more leading questions or more directive-type conversations. Seeking consensus. Not all democracy is consensus, but we seek consensus at the beginning. We try to synthesize viewpoints and find solutions that everybody can cope with, at least. There is a key about being democratic, because remember that (laughs) it's only the decision-making process. We need to actually do the work, so we can't spend all our time discussing. Yeah, of course, as a leader, we still have to lead because just seeking consensus will end up with us always ending up with the lowest common denominator and that doesn't best serve everyone. That's right. I've been in the meetings where you get nowhere and you talk a lot. And I've been in meetings where it's pretended to be democratic and the leaders go, well, basically said, I've actually already decided. In a theatre, I'm going through this process so you think you're involved, but then I'll tell you what I've decided. Yeah, that's right. We still need to be able to be a pace setter, relational and a coach, but we need to learn new things when we add leadership to our management styles. And we said in our last podcast that all people in an organisation need to understand the technical skills involved, of course. Yeah, that's right. There's a bunch of transitions that we make from management to leadership, probably better term, adding leadership functions to our management. And a lot of that is around strategy. It's around translating vision into action. And so this is why we would call this type of leadership, particularly strategic leadership. We simply don't have the time in this podcast to explain all those transitions, but you're interested in that transition. You do need to explore it further. Wayne, your course on Kingdom Leadership is really a helpful resource that can be found at udemy.com or at kingdomculture.com.au. Yeah, and we have a session on these transitions, which are really applicable in church or corporate environment. It's remarkable to me as someone who's been in both worlds how similar church growth plateaus are to business growth plateaus in a leadership and structural sense. And what the doers do is different, but what the leaders and managers do is essentially very similar. Very good. Now let's move on to the final leadership role that you've suggested, and that fourth leadership role is that of the leader of leaders, like Paul in your analogy. Yeah, Paul is the fourth character, if you like, in 2 Timothy 2. 2. He's saying the things you've heard from me amongst many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach. Also, Paul is saying things amongst many witnesses. And this is one of the keys of being a leader of leaders is establishment of communication platforms. I mean, he did it by writing letters. In this case, he's actually mapping out a church growth strategy, if you like, a structural strategy, a leadership strategy to Timothy and others. But he's doing it to a whole group of people. And this leading leaders is different. It's a simple leadership, and in reality, a very few people transition or need to transition into leading leaders. So the main role of a leader, of leaders, is to help leaders to lead. Absolutely, and they do it in three main ways. One, they build platforms for communication, as you mentioned. They, They write, they speak, they use technology to offer solutions so that other leaders can solve whole classes of problems. 
They generally have a broader perspective. Their vision is typically broader. Leaders have vision, but leaders of levers have broad vision. They use these communication structures consistently to communicate these strategies and these ways of thinking and understanding. They also build relationships with those leaders. Yeah, absolutely. Leaders are people. Leaders also want inspiration and guidance. And so leaders of leaders help leaders to understand how their leadership fits into a bigger picture. And they're typically more embracing, more diverse in their thinking. If we're facing that transition from leader to a leader of leaders, and typically we only face it because we've hit a plateau in our leadership. Our church has grown to a certain stage, our business is at a certain level. We need to be able to inspire and enroll and build connection with leaders. We need to become a person who's got that capability. Leaders need to be inspired by us. Leaders need to feel like their leadership can have expression within our overall vision. Therefore, it needs typically to be broader. Your broad vision has to be attractive and you have to have the ability to have influence with leaders. And we spoke before about the dark and the light side of influence. Obviously, as a kingdom leader, it's the right type of influence as opposed to manipulation. That's right. You always have to ask the question in leadership, why would a person want to be in my scope? In transitioning from leading to leading leaders, why would a leader want to express their leadership within my ambit? It's not just about having a vision. It's being able to cast vision. It's being authentic. It's being a bigger picture person. It's being an empowering person. You typically find when leaders don't transition to be leaders of leaders, the other leaders in that scope end up leaving organizations, leaving churches, and going doing different things because they don't find expression for their leadership. They don't find inspiration. They don't find a bigger picture at work. They find narrow-mindedness and closed in internalization of the aims of that organization. I've worked as a church planter, a church overseer. I've worked in small, medium, and large churches. And this is, to me, one of the key issues of church growth. This is one of the key issues of the founder, of the leader. Can they lead leaders? If you observe a situation where leaders are constantly leaving and doing their own thing, it's because of these issues. They don't find expression for their leadership. They are leaders. They need to be given room. They know how to get things done. They have vision themselves, and so they need a broader vision to operate within. And so vision becomes a key issue for a leader of leaders. We consequently call this fourth level visionary leadership. We can serve best as a doer by doing the thing well. We serve best as a manager by learning management functions. We serve people well as a leader by learning how to develop managers and to be strategic. But we develop as a visionary leader by these vision skills. Now, vision can be typically two broad categories, either a functional vision where we have targets and numerical goals, or it could be cultural vision where we have numerical cultural goals. As a kingdom leader, we've gone through, Steve, our focus is on cultural vision. Cultural vision is broad by its nature because cultural vision says, this is who we want to be. As long as what you do fits in who we want to be, we embrace and support and encourage your vision. That's necessarily broad. You can do a whole range of things that God puts on your heart, but these are the values which we want to carry as we do that. That becomes a very broad environment as a kingdom leader. And the visionary style is the most effective style for long-term motivation and engagement. Yes. You can learn visionary style. You don't need to wait until now to learn it. It's valuable as a leader. It's valuable as a manager. It's valuable as a doer. And sometimes in our doing role, 
we can inspire others with what God puts on our hearts. And so we don't need to fulfill an organizational position to develop these leadership attributes. We see throughout scripture that God calls people who are obscure and hidden, and all of a sudden they're speaking into nations. Can you take us through some of the transitions one would have to go through moving from being a leader to a leader of leaders? The first most important thing is about the breadth of our vision. Narrow people, narrow vision leads to us not making this transition. I would say really consider developing cultural vision. What are the values that bind you together rather than what are the functions that bind you together? Our thinking needs to go from critical problem solving to systematic thinking. We think of whole classes of problems. We don't just react to things that go wrong. So we have systems of feedback so we can look at patterns and develop systems and strategies that cover a whole bunch of issues that we're wanting to see in place. We think about our platforms. How are we communicating? How is it being taken up? How do we know it's been taken up? Everybody's got a voice through all the different internet-based media, but how are we developing that platform? And the moment we write a book, we become potentially a leader of leaders. We're trying to influence people, books, podcasts, posts, whatever. What, what are our platforms and how are we building connection with people? We transition from efficiency to effectiveness, really. And so efficiency is making sure we do things better and better. But effectiveness is about well, actually what am I doing rather than how am I doing it? We look at outcomes in terms of improvement of people's life rather than doing something particularly well. There's some other things. If you are a leader wanting to transition to be a leader of leaders, again, you referred to Udemy, Steve. There's some other things and maybe you can send us a message. I've got a great article on transitioning from leadership to leaders of leaders that might be helpful. So how do we start down the path of improving our leadership skills as kingdom leaders, irrespective of what level of leadership we're in? It's important to remind ourselves that whatever we do, we're servants. It's the attitude and motivation. Are we doing this to help others or to help ourselves? Given we've considered that, we then really identify which of the four organizational leadership roles do we spend most of our time doing? Are we primarily a doer, primarily a manager, primarily a leader, or primarily a leader of leaders? We think about some of those transitions we need to make that we've discussed. We think about, is there someone who's modeled this for us? Is there a mentor available, someone who can talk to about, someone who's already made those transitions? One of the things you understand about plateauing in organizations is the things that have given you growth that have got you to the plateau are the things that hinder you getting through the plateau. The things that you rely on and are precious to and have been important to you become your enemy, if you like. Someone who's been through those transitions and can help you is really important. It's letting go of stuff. Yeah, I mean, as a doer, for example, the things that have made you a good doer don't make you particularly a good manager. Trusting in yourself and your own pace setting and ability to get things done, that will stop you in your management development if you keep the focus on yourself and others. And similarly, you know, for example, leading to leading leaders. Uh, you know, if you don't let go of your vision to be a broader vision, your, your narrow specific thing to really embrace others, that will limit your development as a leader of leaders. And so the things that get you to a plateau stop you getting through it. So some of your sacred cows need to be sacrificed. That can be difficult to do. Getting help from someone who's been there is important. A mentor is a great way to do that, a trusted advisor that actually can call it for it is because sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees ourselves. Yeah. 
this podcast has added specific management and leadership roles that we should consider when we're leading in organisations, particularly if we want to be kingdom leaders. And listeners have probably identified with one of those roles more than the others. If it is in the doing of things, we should serve customers and the organisation and others well by doing it as excellently as we can. And this is called self-leadership. If it's managing, then we should serve well by being organised, coaching our team, building relationships, providing that environment where our team can flourish. And that's how we can best serve them. And that level we've referred to as management or operational leadership. If it's in the leading, then we should serve well by focusing on strategy, building relationship with managers, coaching them in doing their management functions. And we've referred to this as strategic leadership. And if it's leading the leaders, then we should serve well by having that broad vision, as you've said, Wayne, that can house the vision of the leaders, build relationships with the leaders, walk on side with them, help them to lead, including giving them space to come up with their own ways of doing things. And we can best do that by focusing on our own platforms on how we can best serve those leaders. How does that sound? Sounds like a pretty good summary to me, Steve. As we finish up this podcast, a good question to ask yourself is, which area of leadership is most relevant? What skills do you feel you should be working on to improve as a servant leader, as a kingdom leader? And keeping that attitude of servanthood in mind, we're not adopting these things to use our position to serve ourselves, but as our role changes, the way that we serve and help others also changes. It's not about ascending organisational structures. It's about continuing to serve well by meeting the needs that come to us at those levels. I totally agree. I think if there was any takeaway, that number one thing is how can I best serve others? And that's what Kingdom Leadership is all about. Absolutely. Hey, it's been great chatting about management leadership. Uh, Steve and I have uh, had experiences in church and in corporate world, and uh, we hope that these understanding of roles and transitions has been helpful in your journey in church and in business and we look forward to meeting with you next time. Resources referenced in this podcast can be found at kingdomculture.com.au and online courses are available at udemy.com.